Welcome back into The Voice of Reason. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Always a pleasure to have this next guest on the program as we do every single month. And it's hard to believe now that we're wrapping up the year 2022 already. It's been a couple years where we do this uh, each and every month. Our update from Washington, D.C. from the 5th Congressional District of the great state of Ohio. Excited to have back on the program with us here, Congressman Bob Latta. Congressman, how are you, my friend? I'm great. Thanks very much. Yeah, always good to talk with you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. Absolutely. Uh, It is frustrating because we're getting into the holidays and we just want to check out, Congressman. We don't want to pay attention to these hard issues. We just want to enjoy the time with the family and the friends and get our holiday shopping done. But you guys are going into a major battle before the end of the week here, possibly in the next night or two nights, uh, with this continuing resolution. We don't have a federal budget. We didn't do our 12 appropriation bills. We're just going to pass a massive omnibus bill, and like Nancy Pelosi says, we need to pass it to see what's in it. What's the latest conversation with this right now? Well, you're absolutely correct. Uh, you know, the House and Congress have failed once again to the American people. No budget, no appropriation bills. End of the year, so what do they want to do? We have, uh, we've been living off a continuing resolution, first of all, which is absolutely horrible for our military because a continuing resolution just continues things on. And we know with inflation and everything else out there that, uh, you know, we're falling farther and farther behind the communist Chinese, all those that want to do us harm in the world. And so we've got to make sure that, uh, you know, our our, uh, uh, warriors out there have the equipment they need. But what the Democrats are now wanting to do is to pass another short-term continuing resolution for one week than to get uh, to what they call an an omnibus, which is a catch-all at the end of the year which when I say a catch-all, it'll be weeks before everybody finds out what's in that thing after it gets passed. And so uh, we're looking at probably, I've seen some top-line numbers now, this thing costing about $1.7 trillion. And uh, again, they have, people have to remember that last year, the Democrats on their own passed the $1.9 trillion quote-unquote COVID relief package, where the president took $34 billion to bail out a, uh, the a pension fund that, uh, again, the American taxpayers are paying for. And there's no talk of looking at uh, trying to do any extensions on some of these uh, tax relief that Republicans got through back when we had control of the House uh, in the 115th Congress. But uh, we're just looking at um, more, more, more taxes, more spending, and uh, more going to the debt. And the deficit uh, this past month was just about $260 billion. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. And what it sounds like is that they're a bit desperate because they realize losing the majority in the House of Representatives that they're not going to be able to pass as much of the spending and projects that they want to. So doing a one-week continuing resolution and then doing an omnibus bill, I wasn't aware they were trying to split this up and give themselves more time to pack more stuff into a massive bill. I thought this was going to be it until the October end of the fiscal year for next year. But they want to cram more into this before they actually pass the official yearly budget. It sounds like. Well, there was, there was some, there's also some talk of doing a uh, a short term, either not what you might call a shorter term type of a CR into early next year. Uh, but uh, you know that that didn't go anywhere. Uh, just so the Republicans could have more say as to what would happen in it. And the other was there was talk about doing a, as you said, a one just a, a one year CR to get to the other end. But that would be that been a disaster. Yeah. But uh, what we're looking at is a massive disaster with this omnibus coming. 
It is unbelievable. Now, what's uh, as you mentioned? I mean, we're gonna. It's gonna take forever to find out what's included in this. But uh, what else are they trying to cram in? We are still past this, you know, military defense spending act uh, as well for the military that had a lot of non-military spending in that one. What do you think they're trying to include in this one? That's on top of what we're already spending. Well, and see, that's the problem. Uh, you, uh, as these things go through, there's a lot of uh, things that are slipped in through amendments that uh, a lot of people might have seen, or in a or they'll do a massive bill text that uh, might slip something in that you just, you know, uh, don't see it and don't realize it. Because one of the things about um, the way they do law changes around here is that you don't rewrite an entire section. You just have, like, maybe a section number and some words that go with it. So it's just like you don't see it. Like in the state of Ohio, if you change a comma in a in a uh, piece of uh, of the Ohio Revised Code, you have to rewrite the entire thing to show what it is, not down here. So, you know, this is why it's going to take some time to figure this thing out, what's in there. But uh, I think people are going to find out that, wait a minute, we're we're paying for this or we're spending for that. And uh, But, uh, you know, there's also talk of the, um, uh, I think I forget my year, right, it was the 1887 on that presidential uh, uh, electors, that was put in law way back when of, uh, of uh, removing that is uh, there's talk that's going to be in this thing. So that's how you would consider part of a spending bill. Yeah. Unbelievable. Now that we are taking control of the house representatives, do you think, are we optimistic that the fact that the house really has the power of the purse that by next year at the end of our budget cycle, that we could actually get almost back on track to have a legit legitimate budget again? Well, and again, you know, people need to hold our feet to the fire because, we, number one, we have to have a budget. And again, you can't, you know, it's just like anything else. How do you operate if you don't have a blueprint? Yeah. And so that uh, then what's supposed to happen is we have a budget. Then to all the authorizing committees, they we come up with what we're supposed to uh, have for spending, and that goes to the appropriations committee then. So you have a three-step process. But what we're seeing right now is, Bills being written in the uh, speaker's office. You see bills being, you know, negotiated in the majority leader's office over in the Senate, and uh, you don't see how it's supposed to be done. And the other thing is, is that, uh, you know, this stuff's supposed to originate in the House, and all of us through the years, we've seen more and more of this stuff being done over in the Senate when they strip things out of uh, uh, House bills and they put different things in them. So we've got to make sure that uh, we get back to what we call regular order and to have the hearings. And then when you have a hearing, you can actually have people come in and testify as to what you really need and what you don't need. Yeah. But this idea of just saying that, you know, this is, this is how you, what a, a cut in Washington is. Uh, you know, if you get, let's just say, uh, $100 uh, this year, next year, you know, the president's budget says, well, we're, we'll want to give you $120, and Congress gives you $110. They call that a cut. Mm-hmm. But you actually got $10 more. Right. But it's crazy. And so, uh, you know, the American taxpayers don't live that way. No, no, it's a completely different mindset compared to what we're seeing in the private sector compared to what's going on in government. Last question on economic issues before we kind of transition a little bit. But inflation is uh, we talked a little bit about inflation hitting just over 7 percent for the last month. And the deficit continues to widen right now. At the same time, we're seeing record tax receipts coming into the government because of the high inflation and people spending more money out there. 
just trying to go into their holiday shopping. Uh, but the, according to the Biden administration, the economy's plateaued. We've been able to level off inflation. We've been able to lower it a little bit. But So we should all be happy and just spend a whole lot of money when we're still having to deal with 7% plus inflation across the nation. This sounds like insanity to me. Well, it is insanity because, again, I, I wouldn't crow about 7.1% inflation, especially when he came in and it was about 1.4%. And so, again, this is caused from massive government spending, not paying for what you're, you're spending. And then at the same time, people have got to realize that, uh, uh, you know, I, I get our gas bill in the mail, or not in the mail, but by email, and uh, as soon as I got the email saying what the bill was, then I get another email from the gas company explaining why, they're, why, it, went, why it went up. Well, it's very simple. Price of uh, fuel is skyrocketing. And so, you know, the, the, we're going to have a harder probably winter in a lot of parts of the country, so people are going to pay a lot more for their fuel costs. And I'm not sure, you know, um, when we, we you and I talked the last time, but I talked to people that, you know, have uh, the budget plan for their natural gas, and they were paying uh, like about a hundred bucks a month, and they get their new budget plan. It's one hundred and seventy-five dollars a month. Mm. So uh, you know, Americans are going to find out that it's going to cost more to heat their homes. And at the same time, go check out the price of food at the grocery store. It's not going down. Uh, you know, when you look at the price of diesel, it's still just a little under five bucks a gallon. So everything is getting transported has to be paid for. Yeah, that is very true. Well, and I mean, they're not even trying to hide it. I mean, the Biden administration's come out openly and said, yeah, your energy bill is going to go up near 30 percent for the wintertime for natural gas and for electricity. So just be prepared for it, which I got to ask you. I mean, you focus a lot of the the energy in Washington, D.C. right now. How are gas prices dropping and when could we potentially see that bubble burst and come back up as we refuse to do domestic drilling here to become energy independent? We're relying on OPEC and OPEC plus for our energy and for our barrels of oil. And then at the same time, they talk about cutting their production of near 2 million barrels a day because they're not going to be drilling as much. We still have the sanctions on Russia. How are gas prices going down right now when there's less production and we're still groveling with international companies trying to get oil? Well, it's uh, pretty simple. Less usage. People aren't out there driving that much. And so uh, there's less demand for the, the product right now. But once the need for the product goes up, that means, well, guess what? The price goes up. So, you know, we're, we might be in the short-term uh, downswing right now, which is great for Americans Think about holiday travel and things like that. But, uh, again, they're going to find out that uh, we're not, we, as you're absolutely correct, we're not doing anything to boost production here. And, again, when, you know, you look at, uh, you know, Biden bagging, uh, you know, Venezuela to produce oil, and they, you know, they're a, a socialist country, uh, you know, very repressive, and we're asking them to, to sell us their oil, and uh, it's, it's crazy when we have it right here, and we have the natural gas right here. Yeah. Uh, any talks or any latest from what you've heard with conversations going on with Russia and the Ukraine, the sanctions on that, any conversations to start ending that conflict? We're almost a year into this thing now, and Vladimir Putin continues to uh, you know, put up his wall. We did our trade with Brittany Griner lately, which is laughable, I think, with who we actually traded out uh, for Russia. But what's the latest conversation we've had when it comes to conversations with the U.S. and the country of Russia right now? Well, you know, again, uh we have to remember what happened. You know, the Russians uh, went in and grabbed Crimea. They And, of course, and they uh, went in to try to take over the entire country then, uh, earlier this year. 
And so uh, the questions, you know, as to can you get to some kind of a negotiation, but, then, you know, do you reward Russia for their outward aggression and killing tens of thousands of Ukrainians, allowing them to keep their, you know, their ill-gotten gains? Or do we say to them, you've got to get out totally? Uh, there's other questions. Uh, are there, should the Russians have to pay reparations since, you know, they, they've destroyed uh, the Ukrainian cities, they've destroyed power plants, infrastructure, and then just, the, you know, again, then the tens of thousands of people they killed. So, you know, I, I think that the, the, one of the questions out there is, is that uh, I know over in Europe they, you know, they're, they're looking at, again, making sure that the, the Ukrainians have the equipment they have to have to beat back uh, the Russians, because right now, of course, uh, heavy, heavy equipment has a harder time uh, on soft soil. But, uh, but if that uh, heavy uh, uh, tanks and things like that, once the ground freezes up, the, offense, uh, the offenses could start up. But at the same time, uh, you know, uh, the United States and other countries have given, given the Ukrainians such accurate artillery pieces now that they're dropping shells down from, uh, from long distances to uh, hopefully prevent the Russians from advancing. And hopefully the Ukrainians can keep their offensive going to keep pushing the Russians out. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to hopefully we can actually see an end to this here soon, but it sounds like it's going to be going for a while. We're talking with Congressman Bob Latter from the 5th Congressional District of Ohio. Let's bring it back to the domestic front here and let's talk about the border a little bit. And with some of the drugs, the ongoing battle with fentanyl we've seen here, I'm hailing from Kansas with my flagship radio station right now. We've seen some of the largest fentanyl busts in the country right here in Kansas and in Oklahoma, in these areas that are just directly north of the border right now. It's been an absolute disaster. Is there any gain right now in trying to seal off the border? I know that we've talked about Title 40 and I, or Title 42, and I know that's been a conversation with you guys lately. But right now, we're still seeing massive amounts of drugs coming across our border and flooding the country. What are we doing about this, and what can we do? And is that an agenda? Do you think uh, an item, uh, a priority for Congress going into 2023? Okay, for Republicans in the House of Representatives, is a top priority. And again, you saw the president flying out west. I think it was about a week ago. He didn't. He did not stop to look at the border. He did. You know, they're begging him, begging him for help down there. Uh, you, you, I, you talk about these border cities uh, in Texas, and Arizona, and uh, New Mexico, and they're, they're they're being overrun. And what's this president do? He says, uh, you know, I've got more important things to do than that. And uh, again, when you look at what could happen here if title 42 is allowed to expire that uh, you know this is one more tool that the border patrol has to try to stop you know i shouldn't say stop but just try to put a small uh, finger in a giant dike to try to keep this thing from bursting but uh, you're looking at you know you see the images on tv right now tens and tens and tens of thousands of people just waiting to come right across and, uh, you know, again, these, these border areas are just being overrun. They're not getting any help from the federal government. And it's just like, where are these people going? And uh, the other thing that, you know, Americans have got to realize is that once these people get here, after they've paid these smugglers to get them here, so many of them have, you know, women who have been raped, you've had murders, and then also you have people that once they get here, they're told that whatever money they make in the United States, they've got to give back to the smugglers or they'll kill their relatives back in their, their, their home countries. Mm. So, you know, th- then you look at the drugs. And, uh, you know, the fentanyl has been flowing in from China through Mexico, and now the Mexican cartels are making their own fentanyl. 
We had 108,000 people die of drug overdoses in this country. We had 73,000 people die from uh, those 108 being fentanyl-related. And where is this administration on this? They, and they cannot admit they have a problem because if they say they got a drug problem, then they got a border problem. Well, exactly. Yeah. And they don't want to focus on that one. But I am glad we're focused on this issue, not just at the border and with fentanyl, but just on the drug issue in in total. I mean, we've seen some of the national lawsuits against some of the uh, CVS and Walgreens and Walmart with the opioid crisis as well with some of the pharmaceuticals where they're cashing out billions of dollars with them doing their marketing and uh, some of the opioid issues that we have in the country as a whole that I think would also help limit the use of fentanyl because of the amount of people that are just on pharmaceutical pills in general. So it seems like we're kind of taking an all-around approach from this issue that I think is a positive step for the country. Well, you know, it's back in the 115th Congress when the Republicans controlled the House and the Senate. We passed out of our committee on energy and commerce, H.R. 6, and that was because we have health underneath of us. And one of the things that, uh, you know, we had one, that bill had over 60-plus bills combined into it. One one of my bills was in it, you know, to try to help on the situation, to get people, you know, off of opioids, making, you know, uh, you know, you got hospitals out now in my district uh, having uh, consulting with the patients before they have surgery, saying, hey, look, this is what's going to happen, this is how you're going to feel, and we're going to try to work you through without giving you all these drugs. Yeah. Uh, because, they, you know, just to you know, get hooked on this stuff or find alternatives. Uh, but uh, we, we've got a situation that, uh, again, the uh, the Democrats are just totally ignoring because they can't admit they got a problem. Yeah, that's very true. they got a lot of problems they don't like to admit that, that they actually have. Uh, last couple of things for you, uh, Congressman Bob Ladder from the 5th District of, of Ohio, and I appreciate all the time you always give us. I love it. Uh, i got to ask the ongoing debate about the Speaker of the House and the votes for Kevin McCarthy as we get closer to the transition and the end of the year. I know there has been some conservative holdout for Kevin McCarthy. I have my concerns about Kevin McCarthy as well, uh, but it sounds like there's some negotiations giving the conservative sector of the Republican Party a little more influence in some of the committees and overall in the House of Representatives, which I think is a good thing. But where are we with the conversation? And do you think at the end of the day that Kevin McCarthy will become Speaker of the House? Well, you know, we, we have a very slim uh, majority right now. You know, there's uh, 235 or 435 in the House. We have uh, right now 220, 222 and they have a majority year at 218. So it's, it's slim. And uh, so uh, right now, you know, there's uh, Supposedly about uh, five that are saying they're holding out right now, so that takes you down to 217. Uh, I think at the end of the day, Kevin will have uh, 218. Uh, and one of the things that people have to understand is this place can't function unless we have a speaker, yeah. because the speaker can only swear us in. So uh, it's, we're, we have a we have got a catch 22 that nothing can occur here until we get a, uh, this place uh, organized and running. And so before the House can do all the investigations, then I know that uh, Kevin's working with the incoming chairmen of those respective committees, that uh, we, we've got to have an organized uh, House on January the 3rd. So I, I think that, uh, you know, on January the 3rd, uh, he'll have the vote. But, uh, you know, again, uh, one of the things that people have to understand is that nothing happens around here because the way the Speaker is sworn in by the uh, the dean of the house, so that's the person with the most seniority, and then the speaker swears us in. But until we have a speaker, we, we're pretty much at uh, 
uh, a log jam. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. It's been fascinating to hear kind of how the conversations are going and negotiating, trying to uh, get that. I, I'm with you. I think that Kevin will become the Speaker of the House eventually. It's just getting to that threshold for that. Last question for you, but as we look at 2023 and going into the new year, uh, outside of what we've kind of talked about already, the budget issues, the inflation issue, the energy issues, the uh, fentanyl and the border issue, is there anything else that sticks out that you think is going to be a priority for you guys as the majority I mean, it's going to be a challenge because you still have a Democrat-run Senate. So you're still going to have a Democrat president. So we can't do productively too much, but at least we can try to promote some things and at least try to stop some. But when it comes to investigations, maybe on Hunter Biden, when it comes to other legislative issues, what do you think is going to be the top priorities for you guys come next year? Well, you know, I think the things that we talk about in our commitment to America, you're looking at, uh, you know, the, our energy issues in this country, making sure that uh, we're North American energy independent, that we're not relying on countries that hate us, that we send our dollars overseas, you know, getting inflation under control, uh, making sure that uh, we don't sink deeper into this recession, which the president won't admit that we're in. Uh, that means, you know, rolling back the, all this government spending, that making sure that, that we do produce a budget, that we do have our appropriation bills, that we do get the stuff done so that uh, we're not looking at these end-of-the-year massive $1.7 trillion omnibus packages that we don't even know what is in them. Uh, making sure that we, as you mentioned, about the border, that, we, that we're, we're doing something about the border, that we're fighting back on all these drugs. Uh, but then at the same time, we have to have the, you know, the, the boy, I tell you, you listen to the uh, uh, national news media, a lot of these commentators and everybody else, you know, it's, oh, we're wasting our time if we investigate Hunter Biden, or we're wasting our time if we're investigating something else. But, uh, you know, this is what has to be done because, again, that's what we're supposed to do as a house. When you see all the spending going on out there, we, we need to, or all these different uh, things that are being done by the departments and agencies, we need to call them and hold them accountable before us so we can ask them the tough questions. Yeah. Well, if we're going to actually investigate anybody, it better be someone that actually has some criminal activity going on to really get down to it. But we want to see it go a step further as well and not just do the investigation, but we also want to see some type of justice done at the end of the day as well. And hopefully we can get to that point. I love it. It's Congressman Bob Latta from the 5th District of Ohio. Congressman, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. We love these monthly visits with you. I know it's difficult. Keep up the fight in Washington, D.C. Merry Christmas to you and the family. Well, Happy Christmas New Year's, and we look forward to doing it again here family. next year. Yeah. Well, thank you very much.